Okay, people, let's do it. Are you in need of something extraordinary? Is the title for today, the subject, subtitles. I do not know how, but life just ran dry on me. There is nothing wrong, it's just that, dot, dot, dot. My relationship, my job, my life, it all became so ordinary. Rabbi, I need something extraordinary. <laughs> that is the discussion of today, okay? So I want to just give a little introduction. Introduction that this coming Sunday is a special day in the world of Lubavitch, and that's what really inspired this specific topic. This um, the Sunday is the second day of Eeyore. It is the birthday of the fourth Lubavitch Rebbe, called the Rebbe Maharash. Of course, his last name, his name is Shmuel, so it's Maharash, Morena Rab Shmuel Schneerson. And uh, he was born on, on, as I said, Sunday, which is a very specific day. It is a day where we call it Feret, Shebet Feret, which I'm going to explain right now briefly. Um, I'll share with you a story and a teaching of this Reb Marash so that you can understand how the inspiration came to talk about the extraordinary. Number one, a story. Always start with a story. Teachings come second. <laughs> At least in the world of Chassidim, it's always that way. There's more teachings to a story than there is to a teaching. The Reb Marash was a young boy. And his teacher tested him, and he did phenomenally well. The teacher was so proud that the teacher went quickly to his father, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, known as the Tzemach Tzedek, and told him, your son did extraordinarily well. Tzemach Tzedek looked at him and said, and what is the wonder that the Feret Shebet Feret is doing extraordinarily well? What does that mean? We are now between Pesach and Shavuot. Between Pesach and Shavuot, we count the Omer. And the Omer is made up of 49 days. We know, we've learned already in this class over and over again, that we have seven emotions. Each one of these emotions are made up of all seven. For example, the first emotion is Chesed, love. There's chesed of Chesed, there's Gevura of Chesed. Just to make it quickly sense, now we can move on. There's kindness of kindness, and then there's strictness of kindness. There's a time when you tell your child no. That seems to be strict, but it's actually kindness. Because it's screaming that he wants to play with the knife. If you think you're going to be kind by letting him play with the knife, that's wrong. What would be the kind thing to do is to be strict and tell him, no, you can't play with this knife. So in kindness itself, it's not just one thing, kindness. Kindness has different, different levels. There's kindness of kindness, there's strictness of kindness, there's compassion of kindness, there's different levels of kindness. So in the process of leaving Egypt, slavery, impurity, to reach Mount Sinai, receiving the Torah, we have the job to go ahead and work on all the different details of our seven emotions. What is Sunday, the birthday of the Reb Marash? Tferet of Shabbat Tferet, splendor of splendor. In Kabbalah, this is a huge thing. And more importantly, because of how deeply rooted it is in the supernal crown, it actually defines the extraordinary. And we're going to talk about extraordinary, but we're going to define what the definition of the extraordinary is. You're going to what, what's the meaning of this Sunday in Kabbalah? This, not the Kabbalah. I, what I'm talking about is that this Sunday is the birthday of the Rebbe Marash, which inspired me for this specific class. Because according to the teachings of Kabbalah built on the 49 days from Passover till Shavuot, when we refine <coughs> our emotions, the emotion we deal with, the experience of this Sunday, which is the second day of year, is Tiferet Shebet Feret. Splendor of splendor. More humanly, we would call it beauty of beauty. 
Now, because of the way Kabbalah has the spirit lined up, Tferet is in the center line, and because it's so deeply rooted in the supernal crown, Tferet is the experience of something extraordinary. That's how that inspired this class, Tferet Shebet Tferet, number one. Number two, a teaching. The fourth Lubavitch Rebbe, one of his, the most famous teaching which he's known for, and it actually became a phrase that has been coined in Lubavitch. It's actually the name of one of the tunes in Lubavitch, which is associated with the fourth Lubavitch Rebbe, and that is called Lichatchila Ariba, Yiddish, Hebrew and Yiddish. Lichatchila is Hebrew, Ariba means over, and it's in Yiddish. What does that mean? The Rebbe Marash said as follows. The world says that when you're faced with challenges, faced with blockage, faced with struggle, you try to get under it. You can't get under it, then you have to jump over it. I say, that's what he said, I say, from the begin with, jump over. Why even try to go under? Lechatchila, to begin with, from the onset, aribe, go over. The experience of extraordinary. Not to have to compromise, try to sneak under, but to just jump over the situation. These two concepts of the fourth about Chereva is what inspired today's topic of the need of extraordinary in our life. With that said, I want to share with you interesting conversation broke out right before. What is the purpose of the extraordinary? There's two types of extraordinary. We all know the famous quote, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. The definition of extraordinary here would mean that when we're dealing with real serious issues, we then know that what is demanded of us is to reach into our extraordinary reserves and come up with some extraordinary performances. Times are struggling. This is not the norm that I'm going through in my life. I'm going through this issue, that issue, whichever issue I'm going through. I know that this is not the ordinary. Therefore, my response is going to have to be the going gets tough, the tough gets going. We need to come up with something extraordinary. That is the type of situation when I get a phone call, Rabbi, I need to see you, I need to see you right now, this is really serious, my marriage is falling apart, my kid walked out on me, my office is collapsing, these are serious issues. When can we meet? Then I know we're going to be dealing with an extraordinary issue because extraordinary circumstances demand extraordinary strength and responses. A total different conversation. That is not the extraordinary I'm coming to speak to you today about. I'm not here to share with you if you're in a crisis mode and you need to come up with extraordinary reserves, commitment, perseverance, accomplishments. That's not today. There's a total different need of extraordinary. Why? I have noticed in my own life and in dealing with people, more detrimental and catastrophic than serious problems are in our life, the real definition of lethal is when someone calls me up and says, we got to talk. What's wrong? N nothing's wrong. It's just, I don't know, life just went dry. When you deal with that type of situation, when there's a problem in a marriage, the marriage is still safe. Because the reason there's a problem is, is because you're both dealing with it. In a not nice way, but you're both dealing with it. You're still in the marriage. 
When you have problems and you come up with extraordinary solutions, at the end of the day, usually, you've become stronger from the experience. The real lethal bug in our life is when all of a sudden everything is ordinary. We suddenly feel lifeless, apathy, detached. I don't know. W what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why do I get up every single morning? Why am I still married to this man? Why do I still have this job? That is when real danger has stepped into your life. So when I talk today about are you in the need of the extraordinary, this is not, this is not emergency crisis solutions. We're dealing with a much deeper emergency than an emergency. More often, life really hits low and we sometimes do silly things because life has just, it's just run dry enough. For some reason, life has run us dry. We just feel totally disconnected. We feel useless, meaningless, purposeless. It's just monotonous. We get up every day, do our duties. And that, really, I've seen, causes people to do more, use the word silly, dangerous things to their life, to their careers, to their family. More times than not, that's when we're dealing with trouble. If there's a problem, she hurt you, you hurt her, I don't mean God with physically, we'll deal with it. There's a fight in your office, you need to change a job, your boss is being ridiculous, we deal with those issues. The biggest problem is when you ask yourself, what's wrong? And you don't have an answer. But something is very wrong. You're about to make a huge move in your life because you just can't take it no more. So what I'm talking about here is the agony of the ordinary. I'm talking about how catastrophic ordinary can become. It's kind of like the saying, some song I think they have the saying, sometimes I bleed just to know that I'm still alive. That's what I'm talking about when you feel so lifeless that you're actually hoping for a crisis, somehow the crisis gives you life again. Oh, there's a problem. I'm needed. I gotta go to work. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta work on my marriage. I gotta go do things. Sometimes we look for trouble because we don't feel alive. That's what we're talking about here today. When we talk about the need of the extraordinary, we're talking about not because something is falling apart, it's just ordinary. It's just really agony of the ordinary. That's what we're talking about here. So, before we talk about how important it is to be extraordinary, I want to talk about how important it is to be ordinary. Okay? We'll get to the extraordinary. But before we discuss how lethal it is and how my life, and I don't know, I'm just feeling lifeless, useless, no one needs me. If I just disappeared, it would mean nothing to me, to my family, this and that. Before we get to how deep and painful that agony is, let's first talk about the ordinary, before we talk about needing the extraordinary. We talk about the ordinary. I want to share with you a simple law quoted by Maimonides in his laws on health, in his halachic work of Mishneh Torah. There's a laws over there called Hilchot Deot. He quotes a verse that you have the obligation to keep yourself healthy. Your body is not yours. It is on loan from God. 
and therefore there are laws of what you have to do. Over there he gives a very interesting rule. Shinui veset trilat choli. The change of a cycle is the beginning of ailment. The Rambam is teaching us something so important for today's topic. You are a creature of habit. Your body is continuously and consistently looking for habitual patterns in which to follow. The Pavlov, the Pavlov uh, dogs, that concept of conditioning, that's what it's all about. You're looking for a pattern. When this bell rings, I'm about to eat. You notice that in your own body. When you're fasting, there are certain times when you start getting nauseous because your body is salivating, and you notice that that's when you would normally eat. Your sleeping patterns. So everything about your being really depends upon habitual patterns of the ordinary. The worst thing you can do to your body is not have a set time. When do I eat? Whenever. You know, I'm always running. I'm here. This, I'm running. One time I go to sleep, 12 o'clock. One time it's 12 o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. When do you go to sleep? Every night differently. When do you wake up? Well, it depends on the day. You're literally destroying your body. Your body needs to have a pattern. It needs to know that at this time of the day, it begins to shut down. This time of the day it sleeps, this time of the day it wakes up, this time of the day it exercises, this time of the day is stressed, this time of the day is pleasant. It needs to know, I eat three times a day at these times. The Rambam writes that the change of any pattern, you start, sleeping your your, you start changing your sleeping pattern, your behavioral pattern, your climate pattern, your waking up pattern, your eating pattern, anything. And all of a sudden you will notice that your body has become now open, your immune system is weaker, and you're now open for sickness. Because the body was created to be an ordinary experience. Your body was not created to constantly be thrown around in the extraordinary. You can't do that. When you come back from a vacation, most of us usually need a vacation. <laughs> Why? because your body was thrown off. Your body experiences its own vacation when you leave vacation and go back to the patterns it's used to. That's where your being quells and flourishes the best. So we talk about the ordinary. We started off talking about it like a plague. It's the worst thing you can have. An ordinary person in an ordinary life, that's terrible. It's agony. But now you're, all of a sudden you're taking a deeper look and you're realizing, not so quick. Your health <laughs> depends upon ordinary habitual patterns. The more you can systemize your life, the healthier, physically, mentally, emotionally, the healthier you will be. You keep on denying yourself a system and you're going to be emotionally challenged, intellectually challenged, and health-wise, you're going to be challenged. So we're talking about the extraordinary. Understand that on the most simplistic level, all beings are beings that are constantly searching for grooves of habitual patterns. 
that's when your body stabilizes, that's when your immune system is up, and that's when you're in a healthy situation. So on one hand, you hear me now telling you that you are a creature of habit. You need to be ordinary in order to be able to remain who you are and flourish. And yet on the other hand, this entire lecture is about how lethal everything becomes when all of a sudden we wake up and say, wow, I'm just an ordinary person living an ordinary life. And I will share with you at this point that when I was coming up to this point of the shiur, <laughs> it's actually in my notes, I all of a sudden realized I may just be working on midlife crisis. <laughs> but <laughs> at some point to be able to say that I am so in need of the extraordinary, that usually happens at midlife. You all of a sudden start asking yourself, what, what, what for? I just feel like a little hamster running a little circle, getting nowhere. I work to live, live to work. Well, if I don't live, I don't need to work. If I don't work, I don't need to live. So why don't I just step out? It's not that bad, guys, but uh, <laughs> that's somewhere where the ordinary becomes agony. So true. But nevertheless, what we're talking about here today is that you now see that more than anything, your health, your stability, your marriage, your children, your, your everything about you depends on the ordinary habitual patterns that you fit into. And yet this entire class is going to be about how dangerous it is when we wake up one morning with the agony of it's just so plain, dry, and ordinary. <laughs> okay? That's what we're going to be talking about. Let's go into the answer to this question. If it is so necessary for us to be habitual, pattern, ordinary, why is it such an agony when we don't have the extraordinary? That's going to be the question here. Why is it so? The Rambam doesn't play games. The Rambam was a philosopher. The Rambam was a halachic genius. The Rambam was a doctor. And the Rambam tells you without any hesitation, you change your cycles, you're open for ailment. Don't make changes. So why is it that we are so painfully in need of being extraordinary, experiencing the extraordinary, having the extra, excuse me, extraordinary? The answer is going to be because of the verse in Genesis. Vayipach ba'apav, and God blew into his nostrils a living so, what is the definition of a living soul? The definition of life is extraordinary. Life is extraordinary. The soul, unlike the body, is very different. Now let's talk about this on a spiritual level. Okay? You have a body and a soul and as a Jew, you are responsible and obligated and accountable to live a Jewish life. What do we want from the body and what do we want from the soul? The answer is that from the body, all we want is mechanical behaviors. If you want to know what your job as a Jew is, from your body's perspective, it is to just create Jewish habitual patterns. What does that mean, my friends? 
What that means is you have to train yourself. Don't get emotional, spiritual, experience, God. No. It's very habitual. You wake up in the morning, you put your hands together, you say Moda'ani. And after that, you wash your hands. And from there, you go on to the next obligation. You got to wash your mouth, wash your face, shower up, and then you need to do your prayers. And after prayers, you need to go ahead. If you're a man, before the prayers, you put on your tefillin. And after prayers, you need to do something else. You need to create a habitual pattern. Before I put something in my mouth, I make a bracha. Don't expect every time you look at the apple to have such a beautiful kavanah <laughs> with God. God, thank you for giving me this apple. No. Most of your life, you're going to, without thinking what you're saying, but it's, I mean. Because from the body's experience, that's what we're asking you for. We're asking for you to create. You women have created your cycle. You know that at this time you're in the gym, and these days you do this, and you do your stuff. That's the way you flourish. You know when you do what. The same thing from a spiritual point of view. God wants you to go ahead and teach your body what it means to have habitual Jewish halachic patterns. There isn't no, I forgot to wash my hands this morning. I forgot to do my prayers. Oops, I didn't make a blessing. You don't want to live your whole life in the extraordinary from the body's perspective. The body just wants teach me patterns. Okay, we're Jewish. Okay, teach me Jewish patterns. What do I do every single Friday night? What do I do every Shabbat morning? What do I do every morning? What do I do before I eat? These are patterns. This is when you open up the code of Jewish law. It's not a very spiritual book. It's a bunch of you shall, you shall not, you must, you may not. That's what most of Judaism is to us in our life. Because we are creatures of habit. So as much as we're sitting here today to focus on the extraordinary, realize how dangerous it is to your body not to have an ordinary life. But Rabbi, what's about the kavanah? What's about the intentions? What's about the feelings? Don't bother your body with that. Do not. It is actually, I want to make a note here. It is actually unhealthy to bother your body with kavanah, with feelings, with all the spirituality. That's the soul's job. You don't want to teach your body, don't make a bracha until you feel it. <laughs> that would be like, don't go to work until you feel it. Not a very healthy thing, especially in this economy. So when we talk about the body's perspective, do not bother your body with the extraordinary. You're going to get sick. On a spiritual level, do not bother your body with kavanah, spirituality, I didn't feel the Seder, I used to feel so special. Leave your body alone. Your body is a machine. There are machines made out of plastic, there are machines made out of metal, and there are machines made out of flesh and blood. Your body is a machine. A machine needs to work mechanically. You do not want your car to get excited about going to the gym. You just want it to turn on and go to the gym. You want the same thing with your body. You don't need your body to get excited in the morning about Moda'ani. That's your soul's job. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Your body just needs to know, I'm up. 
The phone rang. I can't answer the phone yet. I need to first talk to God. Hello. That's what your body needs to know. Mechanical patterns. Ordinary. That's what God wants from your body. And to quote the exact words of the Hasidic teaching, mitzvah anoshim ulamodim, just teach yourself patterns. It should go like that. A boy wakes up in the morning, his bar mitzvah, he should just wake up and half asleep. Tefillin just goes on. Tefillin goes off, move on. As a woman, it's not a whole big experience. I'm going to sit in front of the Shabbos candles and no, there's no ums, there's no, just light your candle on time, make the blessing. That's what your body has to do. The soul, that's a different experience. Your soul is alive. Your soul demands life. Life is the definition of the extraordinary. So while your body is saying, just keep the boat steady. Don't rock no boats. Don't give me no love. Don't give me no fear. Don't give me no compassion. Just keep your eyes on the ball. Keep on moving, 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 moving. Your soul is going bonkers. <laughs> your soul is in agony because your soul does not like the mechanical. The soul feels lifeless. The soul, by definition, is extraordinary. Your soul is the definition of life. So what we have now here on the table is, before we talk about the extraordinary, we needed to understand how important it is from a health perspective, on an emotional level, on a financial level, on a health level, on an intellectual level, on everything level. You need to have patterns, ordinary, every day, the same thing, the same time, do it, like a machine. And then we need to introduce the extraordinary, the soul. The soul is a total different experience. The soul actually is very, very in pain, in agony, when it just becomes mechanical. When I would sit Shabbos after Shabbos and hear the Rebbe talking in pain about why do you daven just mechanically? Where's your experience? Why don't you prepare yourself for davening? Why don't you stop thinking about everything? Why don't you shut off your cell phone? Why don't you focus? Why don't you daven? The Rebbe was talking about the soul. A far greater agony would be, I didn't daven today. Why? I didn't feel like it. That would be a bigger agony than davening like a robot. But when you did hear the Rebbe talk about these things, what is this? You guys are just robotic. There's no feeling. There's no nothing. Shabbos is not Shabbos. Learning is not learning. Davening is not davening. Mitzvahs aren't mitzvahs. What you're talking about then is the Rebbe is talking about the soul. But we only talk about the soul when the body is in shape. You don't want to focus on the kavanah of prayer before you know that every single day, whether I feel like it or not, I pray. Once you've got the habitual pattern, once you're not in a health crisis because you're on habitual pattern mode, then we talk about introducing the extraordinary. So in your own being, you have the ordinary body, the creature of habit. Don't rock the boat, you're going to get sick from it. And then you have the soul. That's the extraordinary. We all know very well when someone does a performance, perfect, you look without soul. But then time, sometimes you see a singer, you see an actor, you see a lecturer, anything. It's with soul. You walk out, it was an extraordinary experience. So no matter how perfect someone does something, but if it's without soul, you will notice it. 
And you would say that was a performance without soul. It's lacking soul. What should we change? Don't change nothing. Just make it alive. Put your soul into it. That's the other side of your being. That's where we have the extraordinary of life. I want to take it a step further. Let's go deeper. So now what we're saying is that the body needs, breathes, lives, stays healthy in the ordinary. The soul is about the extraordinary. Correct? Now let's take it a step further. In your soul, you have two categories. You have the three lower levels and the two higher levels. The three lower levels are called Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Let's talk human language. In the human infrastructure, that is called intellect, emotions, thought, speech, and action. Those are the three lower levels. Those three lower levels of the soul, they, their way of being is, they have to work through the habitual pattern of evolution. Your brain needs to be talking to your heart. You understand something, you get emotional about it. Your emotions, when you really feel something, then the experience is that you're thinking about it. And you usually talk about what you're thinking. And you do what you're talking about. So when you talk about the lower level of the soul, the nefesh, ruach, neshama, when you, have you ever noticed, by the way, when someone is uh, in Shiva, God forbid, or saying Yurtzeit, you put five candles? If no one's saying Kaddish, you put two candles. If someone's saying Kaddish, you put five candles. And when you put the five candles, you usually separate them. Most people don't notice, but those who learned Hasidic, you put three, a little bit of a space, and you put two. Because they're two different categories of the soul. When you talk about this concept of the Naran, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, you're talking about habitual patterns. You need to be thinking about something that can affect you emotionally. Don't go abstract because then you're a waste of a think tank. Life is experience from the Naran's point of view. When you think about that that you can emotionally connect with, you emotionally connect with it, so you're thinking about it, your thoughts are there, you speak about it, and you're doing that. So even in the soul, the lower part of the soul, the lower three levels, the lower category, is also a creature of habit. It needs to be habitual patterns. Life becomes very miserable when your mind is on one level, your heart's somewhere else, and you're stuck thinking, doing, and speaking about a third thing. You're scattered, life is very frustrating. When you live in an inner congruency, when everything about your life, from the way you have your family, from the way you have your job, from the way you're involved in the community, from your own personal goals, is all in sync. It's a pattern. I know what my intellect perceives, and therefore I know what I feel passionate about, therefore I know what I'm busy thinking about, what I talk to people about, and the things I do. Then you're healthy. But you ever talk to someone who every time you talk to him, he's going to have a different job? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to become a doctor. No, actually, you know, I was at this concert. I really think rock is the way to go. It, it's impossible. The person is tormenting himself. I want to get married? No, I don't want to get married. I want to grow this like this. No, I want to grow that's like that. You know, I'm not really sure what I want. I think that this is the type of family I want. But I need some spice in my life. You're going nuts with such a person. There is no habitual pattern. Everything is in its own world. The brain's one place, the heart's another place, and the, and the garments, the thought, speech, and action is a totally different place. Once again, the Rambam will tell you, you change the pattern 
of the way you perceive, feel, think, speak, act, you're open for ailment. But then there's the Chaya Yechida, the higher level of the soul. We call that the supernal crown. Just as in your body, above your brain, you have a skull, the corona part of the, the skull, that too is in spirituality. Above and beyond is Chaya Yechida, human language. The power of will, the power of pleasure. Now I will tell you, as a rabbi, I speak to people, you know, why don't you light Shabbos candles, why don't you put on tefillin, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? And normally the answer of the well-thinking individual is, you know, if you explain it to me, if I understand it, then it'll mean something to me. I'm not going to just do it because I do it. Now I want to share with you that when you do something you enjoy to do, that you want to do, that's extraordinary. There's soul there. When you do something that you understand, that's ordinary. So on that concept, understand again that even in your soul, there's two levels. There's that which is consistently gravitating towards the habitual, the pattern, the ordinary. It gets unhealthy when it becomes extraordinary. And then in your soul, you have the other side, the Chaya Yechida, the power of will, the power of pleasure. In that arena, everything is extraordinary. There's a whole different experience then. I'm doing what I want to do. I finally got the job where I get to do what I'm, I enjoy doing. It's not just I understand it. I just like it. I want it. I enjoy it. That's extraordinary. Zoom in one more step. In this top two, we're now going to really zoom in, and you're going to see that these two itself break into the ordinary and the extraordinary. The power of will, because it is still associated with the lower levels of the soul, it is still associated with the ordinary. I'm going to share it with you this way. The difference between pleasure and will. Okay? I want this. The focus is not on the I. The focus is on this. I want it. I won't stop until I get what I want. I want that. The focus is not within you. The focus is that. All day you're thinking about the car I want to get. So it's the car. You think about it, the image, that's where you are. So the power of Rotson pulls you out of yourself into whatever the that is. Power of pleasure. When a person is experiencing pleasure, he is not focusing on what is giving him pleasure as much as he is focusing on the experience of I. I am in pleasure. I want to share with you an example in Hasidus. An example I was taught about pleasure is when a parent sits and just quietly out of the corner of his or her eye sees their children playing, getting along nicely. That's called ta'anug. That's called pleasure. People will say, I'm happy when my kids get along. No, you're not happy. Happy is when you want to get up and dance. You want to do something. You want to go out. Pleasure is where you just... Go back deeply into yourself 
with that beautiful Yiddish ah. That's pleasure. So understand that even Ta'anug, even in the highest level of your soul, Chaya, the world of power of will, is ordinary. It's focusing on stepping out, getting into that pattern, getting into what you want, how you're going to get it. Ta'anug, Yechida, the word Yechida is the name of this highest level of the soul. When you talk about al Chispa del Chudio, you talk about the Pintalayid, you're talking about Yechida. Yechida comes from the word Yachid. Yachid means one and alone. It stands in itself. When you're experiencing Ta'anug, that type of kfelling of Naches, you're so deeply within yourself. Wow. That is extraordinary. Guys, let's recap for a moment here, and then we'll close up with the next step. So I want to recap. Number one, the human needs to live within the ordinary to survive and remain healthy. This is the arena of the body. We understand how important it is to remain ordinary if you want to stay healthy on all levels. Emotionally, intellectually, financially, health, everything. Number two, the living soul needs to be alive. And being alive is all about the extraordinary. Number three, a deeper look into the soul reveals that there too exists the ordinary and the extraordinary. The Naran, Nefesh Ruach Neshama, the soul is the ordinary. It is the ordinary evolution pattern of cause and effect of the intellect, emotions, thought, speech, and action. Then there is the Chaya Yechida of the soul, which is the extraordinary crown of will and pleasure. Next point. An even deeper look into the soul shows us that the Chaya Yechida of the soul, there is the ordinary and the extraordinary. Chaya, the power of will, is associated with the ordinary, while only Yechida, the power of pleasure is extraordinary. No. So let me ask you a question. It turns out to be that we are 99.9% .9 ordinary. <laughs> so, why? Why is it so lethal, painful, agony when we're not extraordinary? We went through the body in the soul, in the higher level of the soul. We are 99.9% .9 ordinary. We don't function right. We don't feel good. We, don't, we get bent out of shape. We become imbalanced when we're not ordinary. So why are we so in agony? So we, we just don't want to live. Why don't you want to live? It's just, it's ordinary. The answer to the question. The answer to the question is because that 0.1% is Yechida. It is the very essence of life. 99.9% .9 is only about making who you really are functional. But who you really are at the very core of your being is 0.1%, Yechida. From Yechida down, we're creating a pattern so where this Yechida can be constructive and functional. But to be able to have 99.9% .9 without Yechida is a problem. Let's look at it this way. Let's talk about Yechida as the magical button which turns Pinocchio into a human. Now you understand what the agony is in 99.9%? .9 Pinocchio is a puppet. Without Yechida, it's painful, it's agony. 
Yechida turns Pinocchio into a real child, into a living being. So when we talk about, are you in need of the extraordinary? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. But why? You need to be 99.9%. .9%. You are genetically 99.9%, .9 physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. You are ordinary. That's where you stay healthy. Why are you looking for the extraordinary? And the answer is yechida. Yechida. That 0.1% is what makes it all real. It's who I really am. Let me explain it to you this way. So you find this robot that can cook, that can <laughs> fix the plumbing, that can clean, that can do all the errands your spouse is supposed to do. Everything earns a living. It's wonderful. Can you marry this robot, be in love with this robot, spend your entire life with this robot? Yeah, I know. When I was writing these words, I was actually thinking to myself that the, the male species, probably the ones that are looking or reading, they're actually sitting back, rolling their eyes with this mockingly response of the affirmative. But I will share with you all, no one's looking. You can be vulnerable, honest for a moment. You can't get married to a robot. Why? You're 99.9% .9 compatible with this robot. That's more than you can expect to be compatible with any human. How much more so it's from, if it's from the opposite gender of our race? <laughs> so what? The answer is there is no yechida. There's nothing extraordinary. You can't connect. So when we talk about the 99.9% .9 ordinary, that's, that's, you got to realize what we're talking about. I want to share with you that there's two levels of the extraordinary, okay? We're coming to, to an end. Is that okay? Is he doing good? Okay. Let's talk about this. We spoke about Chaya Yechida being the extraordinary. We spoke about them both being in itself different, right? I want to share with you what the definition of extraordinary from Chaya point of view is. The extraordinary point of view from Chaya is vacation. It's where the amazing wife turns around to her husband and says, Honey, we need a vacation. <laughs> your husband just stopped breathing, and you got the look in your eyes that Columbus had when he first laid his eyes on the new discovery of the great new continent. <laughs> Why? Why do you need a vacation? Because the higher level of your soul is associated with the ordinary. It cannot feel extraordinary until it leaves the environment of the ordinary. So I will share with you, vacation is a very important part of the extraordinary. I want to just tell you, we're all here women, so <laughs> you and I, don't listen. So I want to share with you, practically speaking, when you discuss with your spouse a vacation, he may not know how important it is for him, for you, for us. But on the other hand, you need to be real when you talk about a vacation. You need to make sure that this vacation is something that you both can enjoy. Some vacations have to do with the mall. Men don't like that. So when you talk about a vacation, you need to focus on why we need a vacation. We need a vacation because my chaya level of my soul, which is associated with the ordinary, cannot experience the ordinary. I mean, like guys, like really, 
how extraordinary is it to sleep in late and walk lazily around your house on a day off? That isn't really extraordinary. Extraordinary means when we pack our bags, we go, we fly, we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know, we're shopping. But the bottom line is, at the greater picture, the definition of extraordinary for Chaya means vacation. And yes, husbands, men, need to acknowledge that. That there's a part of you that will not experience the extraordinary when it's still in its ordinary environment. But with that said, women, please pay attention from a man who's got a wife who likes to go on vacations. You should know the vacation needs to be focused on what you both like. If he's into nature and you're into five-star hotels, you got to work on this. I want to I want to be daring with you, and I want to tell you one more thing. When you talk about a vacation, you talk about extraordinary because you're leaving the ordinary. Your vacation needs to be able to experience, we left home, we're not dealing with the office, the kids are taken care of, but that's extraordinary because you're away from your ordinary environment. Now, don't get upset, but part of an extraordinary vacation means that you and your husband also have an hour or two away from the ordinary of each other. A vacation does not mean that you two are connected all the time because part of the ordinary is that you deal with each other I'm just being bluntly honest whether it's politically correct nice or not so on a vacation you need to also set time where he can do his thing alone and you can do your thing alone that's when your Chaya is totally disconnected from anything ordinary and you can experience an extraordinary so a it is important to go ahead on vacation. It is important to make sure that the vacation is pleasantly intriguing to both of you and both your interests. And do be okay within the vacation itself. There's a vacation in the vacation where you spend some time where he goes to his extraordinary moment and you go to your extraordinary moment. But now let's talk about the real challenge when you come back home from the vacation. <coughs> That extraordinary, the Chaya cannot experience. Because the minute the Chaya part of you walks into that same door, and on the desk is the same pile and the same laundry, Chaya does not understand, oh, good feeling's gone. No more extraordinary, we're just sapped right back into the ordinary. The Chaya is already working on the next vacation. Yechida is a different experience. The power of Yechida is that it doesn't need a vacation to be extraordinary. Yechida is the piece of you which brings the extraordinary vacation back with you into your ordinary life. Because Yechida is truly everything we said about it. The power of one and alone, you're in yourself, you're quelling. The power of Yechida is to have the extraordinary in the ordinary. I want to share with you. In my man psyche, I do have this faint memory of surprising my wife, setting up the table, fancy, preparing for her a meal. And I do remember the extraordinary feeling of the cooking, 
than making sure the kitchen is clean by the time she came back, being able to just just the family and still put a napkin in the cup. That was an extraordinary feeling. I will share with you that I remember when my kids got a little older. These are the two times it happened, so don't get excited. The <laughs> second time, it was with my kids. And I remember, those of you who know my kids, some are more expressive. I remember Chazak's face in making a salad. He was excited. Each one of them wanted to show their skills in setting up, setting up a fancy table, doing the salad, doing the this, doing the that. The extraordinary of Yechida doesn't need detachment to be ordinary. Okay. <laughs> you probably have more chances of going on vacation with your husband than my wife has of me making another meal. So let's be more <laughs> practical. Okay? On a more practical level. Let me share with you something that I do every single month. I create a lecture for you people. I want to share with you that while it cooks and bakes and bakes and cooks, there's the real job of sitting down by the computer, spending a couple of consecutive hours and typing. Before I type this lecture, I actually text a friend, asking, please send me some energy. I am totally exhausted. I actually had a throbbing headache, and I did not want to make this lecture. I just didn't want to. I really was zonked out. I tried to sleep, go try to do that with six kids in the house. <laughs> it wasn't good. I was really in a very below ordinary place. I want to read to you the paragraph. As I am typing these closing words, I want you to know that I am feeling extraordinary. It is very late and my body, somewhere beneath it all, is still very tired and in the recesses of my brain I still feel the throbbing pain of the headache. However, I really do feel extraordinary. Why? How? Because somewhere along the line, I let my Yechida into my ordinary work of creating lectures based on Hasidus. Somewhere throughout this night, I let go and I let live. This is when my Yechida breathes into me life. This is where I have my own quiet, extraordinary moments. Thank you, Hashem. So what you're hearing here is, the Yechida just needs one thing to be able to share with you the experience of the extraordinary. You know what that is? Just let it be. At some moment, when you're doing something, it could be kvetch. You could I could have picked a bunch of examples. I picked the lecture because that's what I realized it happened to me tonight. But I think about the times when Sunday I come home and I tell my kids, okay guys, clean up time. You know that what I'm getting is the ordinary or maybe extraordinary fetching. It takes a couple of minutes. The energy builds. They realize that this time Tati is serious. We're not getting into the car until his house is put in shape. It's always amazing that the post feeling, which I love doing, no, how do you guys feel about it now? So the extraordinary is when you can leave go. Let live. You have to make supper tonight. What's it going to be? Is it going to be the ordinary, busy on the phone, talking, doing a million things? Or is it, you know what? I haven't made an extraordinary supper, and I don't mean what dishes. No. 
I mean an extraordinary energy supper. I haven't in so long walked into the kitchen, flipped open the windows, turned on my favorite channel, and just have an extraordinary moment. Kids aren't home from school yet. Husband's still at work. Let's do it. It's not going to be an extra, or it'll be a regular casserole, but it'll be so different. Your Yechida knows how to bring the vacation back home. Your Chaya only knows how to run away to a vacation. They're both important. But when you talk about the feeling of the extraordinary in your life, when you realize that it has been so long that I feel special, that I feel what I do is special, that I feel my part of, of the world is special, that my part of my marriage is special, my part of the income is special, my part of the parenting is special. So yeah, if you're due for vacation, tell your husband the rabbi said. <laughs> but if you're not due for vacation, or maybe, let's be blunt, in today's economy, maybe you are due, but be realistic. We're not going on vacation right now. So what? That's it? We have to suffocate? We have to just die of, of ordinary nidus? We have to bicker when he comes home because it's just ordinary and he's getting on my nerves already? Or can you just say, okay, guys, yechida moment. What is yechida? What do I do? Where do I go? You don't go and you don't do you be. You look up to Hashem, believe me, share with you a secret, I do this a lot. I don't have very extraordinary moments, but a lot. I look up to Hashem and say, okay God, it's me and you. Just a perfect moment. About what? About typing a lecture. About cleaning your house on Sunday because you walked in and you blew a casket that no one had the decency to put anything back where it belonged. You could have extraordinary moments. It is the normal, habitual state of being of your true inner self. Yeah, it's so abused and so misused, these words, but I'll say it anyway. Let go and let live. Stop being a frustrated wannabe singer, frustrated wannabe multimillionaire, frustrated wannabe president of this and that and that. How about just being a non-frustrated and extraordinary woman in your family, in your life, in your being, in your kitchen, in your office? When was the last time any of us really sat in our office and just turned up the radio? Just music. You like music? Whatever it is. Not the news. <laughs> That's beyond ordinary. That's lethal. When was the last time we just, you know what? Chill day. Yeah, I got a lot to do. I'm going to get it done. But on a deeper level, a chill day. When was the last time you turned on the music? When was the last time you opened the windows? When was the last time you just, just breathed? Just, <gasps> wow. So we're so in need of the extraordinary. And everyone thinks extraordinary means Greece. No, I've been there. How about Italy? How about just two days? How about my husband leaves his cell phone home and comes with me just for one night? That's extraordinary. <laughs> None of us really had this image, and it dawned upon me when I remembered, when I was thinking about this closing, okay, Rumi, what are you saying? And all of a sudden, I, I had a flashback. I had a flashback of that moment where I prepared a table and a supper. It's funny. I was given a gift. I was on a cruise ship. Yeah, little Rumi was on a cruise ship with his wife. You know, that didn't come to my mind. This came to my mind. 
So yes, vacation, important. Make it a religion. But you're going to come home. You can run, but you can't hide. So the real question when you talk about the extraordinary is, how do we make ordinary things in our life extraordinary? How do we make homework? Where's my Italian letter? How do we make homework extraordinary? How do we make cooking extraordinary? How do we make me sitting in my office with QuickBooks? You want to talk about purgatory? <laughs> me sitting with my book of QuickBooks. How do I make it extraordinary? And I have done it. I have done it. I went onto YouTube, found a singer that I like, put on the, this little guy over here, he's singing a song, and I start. And it's very nice, all of a sudden, that for those of you who have QuickBooks, you know when you make it, ding, ding, becomes music. Ding, ding. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. If you're just willing to let go and let live. God bless you guys.